demonstrative than others. We have some that raise their hands, some that are like, there's no way I would ever do that. And everybody is welcome. That's what we want. We love the variety and the diversity because there's a strength in that. There's a benefit in being in relationship with people that are different than you are. It helps us grow. Have you noticed that with your spouses, that they're a little different? Brent is slightly different from me. Uh, one of the things, I'm working on him though. One of the things, <laughs> one of the things that we say a lot about marriage is if you marry someone exactly like you, one of you is unnecessary. We need to have other people to challenge us and to help us grow. So this idea of community is not just finding people that kind of look like us and we think, think like us and because the reality is that if you get to know them very much, you're going to find pretty quickly that even though it looks like on the surface, you all think alike, that they all of a sudden have different opinions about different things. And we see that as a benefit. So this idea of community is about intentionally moving towards each other and trusting what God will do in the connection, in, in the life together. He's already moving in your life, and so it's getting together with other people that, he, people that he's moving in their life too and see what he's going to do in the combination. Now, this idea of unity is not in and of itself the, the ultimate plan because people have been unified over the years towards things that weren't so good. Nazi Germany was pretty unified. Um, and so there were some really bad results from that. But the thing that... that that brings us together here and what we're encouraging is is that we come together under a common umbrella one of the reasons that we stand and and say the Apostles Creed uh, every single Sunday is because we want you to be focused on that that unifies us that that draws us together in this picture in Acts it says they had fellowship so they did stuff had did things that they liked, common interests. They did things together. They ate together. They broke bread together in their homes. They prayed under the umbrella of the apostles' teaching. It says they were diligent um, in, in, in these areas. And so these elements of the creed, if you look in Tulsa, probably about 95% of the Christian churches in Tulsa would believe that. 95% almost of churches around the world would believe that. And so what we have chosen is to focus on that that unifies us. And then we draw together and the things that are a little bit different, we learn to enjoy. We learn to understand that we're going to have a little different perspectives. Because it's those 5% of things that has disconnected the church worldwide on exactly how we live one of those areas out, or may we add emphasis to one side of that or the other, and that is what has disconnected. Um, Augustine was credited uh, with this uh, one statement that says, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. And so the focus is, okay, this is what unifies us. This this cause of Christ. Um, Paul, when he was talking to the early church, he noticed that, what we notice is that we people tend to disconnect. We tend to pull back. We tend to isolate and get in little groups of folks that we think think just like us. And so Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2, says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
So this is what unifies us as we draw together with people that are different and see the benefit that comes from that combination. If we can stay focused on that that unites us, but celebrate the differences that we have, value the differences that we have, then we're going to have strength. When you look at the early church, they drew together and they changed the world. We have power when we're unified. We become weak when we separate and we go into our own individual caves and deal only with our own things. But as Paul went from city to city and he, he established churches in different countries, he was constantly focusing on unity. How do we pull together irritating people, but encouraging them to pull together and be unified in Christ? In Philippians 2, 1, it says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So being like-minded, as Preston referred to earlier, is not thinking the same. That is not even supposed to happen, and it's not going to happen. Um, it's not about thinking the same thing. It's being about a common purpose and focused together under that common banner. I spend quite a bit of my time as a counselor um, studying how people argue. I'm fascinated how people argue. Um, we are all pretty committed to the idea that if I can just talk long enough, if I can just keep my side of the debate going long enough and keep adding stuff to it that you're not quite seeing yet, uh, if I can just keep adding um, and maybe just, I might have to intensify you know, the, 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 uh, the level just a little bit to show you how really, really convinced I am of, of my perspective. But eventually, you'll get it. You will see the, the, where I'm coming from, and you'll agree with me. <laughs> It'll be a beautiful thing. And so I'm sitting there with folks in all kinds of settings, and, and I'm watching them do this in both sides. Of course, they're hardly listening to anything the other one's saying. Uh, just enough to gain some more fodder for something that they, you know, have to throw back into the argument. And I'm thinking, okay, so, so you're like expecting at the end of this argument that one of you is going to go, OMG, you're right. That's oh my gosh for some of you that are my age. Um, oh my gosh, you, you've been right all along. I've been wrong. I've never, in 30 years of working with I've never seen that happen, ever. <laughs> I don't ever expect it to happen. But yet we do it all the time, don't we? I mean, can we be honest that we do this? <laughs> You're wrong. So what I'm saying is a, is a like-mindedness is <laughs> certainly expressing our perspective. But it's also listening with value. It's always saying, okay, I don't quite get exactly where you're coming from, but there's value to that. There, you, 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 you come from a different perspective, you, you come from a different angle, you've had different life experiences, and I can learn from that. There's something of value that you bring to the table. And it's only when we get both of those, because I'm also amazed at when couples begin to slowly begin to collaborate 
And all of a sudden now they're hearing each other a little bit better and they're both communicating strongly their perspectives, but it's coming across um, as more of a teamwork. The kinds of solutions they come up with actually amaze me. It's what we call the power of synergy. Um, The power of the team is greater than the power of the individual parts. But all of a sudden, as they begin to collaborate, they begin to come up with things, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is a great idea. This is a great solution. I would have never thought of that on my own. There's something godlike in that, where it's the combination, the benefit of the team. And so that's what we're, that's what we're looking for and believing that God wants to do in our midst, the strength that can come when we begin to collaborate. So one of the parts of the small group initiative that we're starting is that we want you to find people within the church that you do have some common interests with. It might be biking, it might be photography, it might be exercise, it may be whatever. But there are people within this group that have things in common with you that you could spend time with, and you may find your next best friend by being a part of this. But even if you don't, you will have the opportunity to get to know other people and to draw towards other people. When we announced this last week, we asked people that would be interested in facilitating a group to come up and talk to Preston. We have already had 25 people express an interest in facilitating a group. We have had things like um, trying new restaurants, hiking, yes, I'm in that one, hiking, (laughs) civil war interests, not so much, Prayer, (laughs) prayer and discipleship, small business owners, young adults, nutrition, movie critic, running, marriage, healthy eating, cooking, or fitness, a young men's breakfast, photography, ballroom dancing, crafting for charity, book club, sailing, Mission Tulsa, French, biking, young moms with absent moms, caring for an older parent, caregivers of people, uh, yes, Uh, we'll just move on, a men's pub group to discuss theology together. This is one of the layers of groups that we want to do. We want you to find some groups that you can be involved with so that you can meet other people. We're going to be having a kind of a rush day on September 30th where you will actually get the chance to sign up for some of these groups. This first round of groups is going to be six weeks, so it's not a long-term commitment. But it gives you a chance to get together with other people that you may have something in common with and meet new people. Another part of this initiative is there are some of you that are sitting out there and you just thought of some brilliant group that you would really love to get some people together and do. And so we want to encourage you, if you've come up with that idea and you want to facilitate a group, come see Preston afterwards and let him know. We started brainstorming and thought of just a few more things, like Bible studies. I have a closet full of Beth Moore Bible studies, if anybody's interested. Golf, a mom's play group volunteerism in the community, menu planning, cooking, home organization, exploring new coffee shops. I'll be there with you. I'm going to start an Ann Taylor group. Um, (laughs) Ann and I are really close. Um, Exercise, grief recovery, divorce recovery, game night, poker night, gardening, and landscaping. If one of these is interesting to you or you come up with something else, come see Preston after service and let him know that you're interested in that. And then the final layer of the small groups that we want to encourage you in is many of you are already participating in some type of group. 
You've got friends that you're going to movies together or you're biking together or whatever. We just want to encourage you to be more intentional in those groups. We know that God is already working in the midst, but if you would like to nudge the group a little bit and be a little more intentional about your spiritual relationships, this doesn't have to be with people within the church. may not even be with people that go to church. But if you want to push a little more intentionally in a spiritual way, we just want to give you some tools to help you do that. And so Preston's going to be meeting with all of the facilitators, and we're going to have a training time to just give you a few good ideas to help you feel confident in your facilitating and help you just have a few things to make the group more comfortable for everyone. Throughout Scripture, one of the most significant analogies about the body is the physical body. Um, is all the different parts and one of the things that we glean from that which is significant is that every single part is important that it takes all of those parts working together to to um, make the body really do what it's designed to do and it even talks about that those parts that aren't as seen as much that are that are more hidden we need to honor and, and value even more and I believe that's an important perspective to gain from that but another element of that that uh, maybe because of its subtleness is not brought out as much, is that the key to the body's strength and to its power is that all those parts have to be interconnected with each other. Uh, if we want to move something, and we can't just have a bunch of ears out there, uh, even though we would hear very well, we would not be able to move anything. And we couldn't actually even just have a hand and an arm and a shoulder that aren't connected. They're not going to move anything. All of those have to be interconnected to be able to make that happen. Uh, now, I learned this in a very practical way a couple of years ago. Um, realized that through years of uh, playing sports and throwing all kind of balls in all kind of directions, uh, that my shoulder decided it didn't want to work anymore. And uh, I had a pain. I couldn't hardly pick anything up. And it just got worse and worse. As a matter of fact, opening a car door just... I couldn't even push out my arm like this. And so I figured, okay, you know, we're told most of us guys are going to have rotator cuff problems if we played sports at all. And by sometimes so I'd say, okay, that must be what it is. And so I went and got all the MRIs and everything. They said, well, I assumed it was torn or whatever and need to be repaired. But they said, no, it's fine. But your shoulder has decided to not play with your arm any longer. Uh, it's taken its toys and gone home. And uh, what happened is that one of the connect... Now, this is a layman deal, okay? So doctors are here, I'm sorry. Um, the, the, the connecting tissue between my shoulder and my arm, it was all there in place, but it, it actually moved out of alignment and was rubbing over a bone. And so every time I moved, it was just this ligament. It just hurt so badly. And so I went to some physical therapy. They got it back in order. And so my shoulder brought their toys and back to the, back to the game. And they started working again. And so once again, I had lost the power, but regained the power and the strength. And so this idea is that we have to begin to build and interconnect our lives. We can have strength in a lot of individuals, but unless we're really collaborating, we're going we're gonna to lose the benefit of God's potential that he has for the church. We might have strength in a one, in a one, in a one, in a one, but it's going to be limited. But we're excited about the possibility of getting strength of 5 and 10 and 20. If they can be operating together, working together, collaborating, there's a power that can come alive in the church. Now, as we start leaning towards each other, um, again, one of the reasons that we tend to kind of pull back is we just aren't 
sure about each other. We're not sure what this, these groups are going to be like. Are these going to be? Are these safe people to hang out with? Or are they going to be weird? You know. Um, well, I would just say expect some weirdness, okay? Because we're all weird. We all have our little weirdnesses, don't we? Um, but there's some significant things that we need to to bring to the table when we come together. Uh, there was a study that was done uh, several years ago, and they talked to professional helpers. They were doctors, social workers, counselors, pastors. Uh, and they said, if you were in need of help, who would you go to? And what they were expecting is that they were expecting the group to say, well, I, I would want them to have this degree in this area. I'd want them to have this many years of experience, to come from this framework of, of helping. They expected all these kind of things. They didn't get any of that. What they got over and over and over again were three things. These were the three things that people were looking for. First of all, first of all was unconditional acceptance. If I share my life with somebody, can they accept me where I'm at? Are they going to step into a judgment position or they're better than me position now all of a sudden? Or can they accept me as I am? The second is that they are genuine, that they're not just doing the Christian thing. They're not just trying to play a role and be a nice person you know, in my life, but they're real. They're sharing their life openly as well. And then the third is empathy, that are they willing to take the time to step into my life and experience what I've experienced and find out where I'm coming from, again, instead of, instead of being a judge. And so we need to commit, all of us, as we draw towards each other, to, to provide these things for each other so that, so that these environments are safe. And then the final thing is that we provide confidentiality. If somebody... Um, you know, even though these groups are not designed for us to get together and necessarily just open our hearts and share our, our deepest secrets, uh, as we move, as people move towards each other, there's, there's part of the body where we get to know each other and we begin to open our, our lives to each other. And one of the things that we need to be committed to is confidentiality. If somebody shares anything, a prayer request, my child's going through this or my wife's going through this or I'm struggling with this at, at the office, they're sharing that with you, not the church, not the neighborhood. And so we need to be committed to that so that we can provide safety for each other so that the Holy Spirit has a chance to do his thing. I'm convinced that a lot of our healing comes through relationships. We heal in many ways when we're in connection with other people. And as Brent said, it's not that these groups are all going to be ones where here I am, I'm going to share my deepest, darkest secret with you. But as we grow in relationship with each other, there might be a time, if the atmosphere is right, if we've made it a safe environment for people, there may be a time when you have a need or I have a need that I can feel safe sharing that with you. And I can get some healing from that connection with you. Or I can be there to help stand with you in the midst of something that you have going on. You know, we all know that God forgives us of our sins. If, uh, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us or purify us from all unrighteousness. God forgives our sins, but there's healing that comes when we confess our sins one to another. Scripture says, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. There's a healing that comes when I share my stuff with you and you still accept me. You still value me. You still think I'm okay. And sometimes when we share some of our stuff, then you're going to say, you know what? I struggle with that too. Or I struggle with something like that. And you relate to where I'm at. When we can do that, when we can be open and we get that 
reaffirming from someone else. There's a freedom that comes with that. That's when shame doesn't have power over us anymore because someone else values us even though they know our junk. One of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes is, friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. Whether that's something we're struggling with or it's something that we have in common, it's nice to find other people that you can go, what, you too? And that's what we're looking for. How can we pull together as a body? And then, you know, another way that healing comes is just by having people that want to hang out with us. Really? You want to go biking with me? That's great. That's refreshing for me that we can spend time and just enjoy one another. There's value in that. So we're nudging you. We're irritating you to move you towards this, which is unusual because usually Ed is the one that irritates everybody. (laughs) What? Did I say that out loud? (laughs) Yes. But we want to push you towards one another to help us form that unity in our body. Okay. So in just a minute, Pastor Preston is going to be down here at the bottom. If you've got another idea, I believe there's some other ideas percolating out there. Don't hesitate. Don't hold back. Again, it's a six-week commitment. We'll tell you how that works. Uh, September 30th, we'll have a chance to, to sign up. But let's do this thing. Let's, let's move towards each other. Let's have some fun. Let's, let's try something new. Let's, let's meet some new people. Let's love each other. Um, let's let healing take place in our life. And uh, let's just see what God has up his sleeve. Before we go today, um, we have the privilege of having the directors um, from Stop Child Trafficking Now here with us. Uh, just, uh, Jason and Kristen Weiss, I'd like to welcome them as they come. Um, they're going to tell us, tell us a little bit about this walk that they have coming up, but let's take a minute and watch this short video. I'm walking today because I have a heart for social justice. We are here to show our support in stopping human trafficking. I'm walking today because there's so many kids all over the United States who are walking in fear. These children who are being bought and sold for sex all over the world need a solution, and I love being a part of the solution. The 2012 walks will be held this September. Join the communities across America as we take a step toward stopping child slavery. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having us here. We love to come to the sanctuary. We appreciate your passion and your vision to help us to change the world. Um, The reason that Jason and I got started into SCT Now was about seven years ago, we were living in Colorado, and we heard this horrible story about a three-year-old being sexually abused by her daddy. He videotaped it, downloaded it onto the Internet, and thousands of people logged on to watch. I mean, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. 
and we didn't know what we could do about it, but we knew we needed to do something about it, and we moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma to get spiritually trained up for this horrific crime. And what we loved about SCT Now and the reason that we, we helped launch SCT Now was not just the awareness, the advocacy, and the legislation that we do and the education that we do, but it was the action part that got us really excited. Thank you. Yeah. I want to get a quick show of hands here. If you knew in your neighborhood or in your community that a child was being sexually abused, how many of you would do whatever it took to make sure that that child was safe? You'd bust in a door, you'd call law enforcement, you would do whatever you could. Well, let me give you a really startling statistic. Not only is there one American child in our communities and in our neighborhoods, but there's over 100,000 American children that are sexually, commercially abused every single year in our, in our nation. And that does not include the Latin, uh, Asian uh, population, or even child pornography. I have a really good friend that's going to actually speak at our walk this year. His name is Matt Siren. He's a prosecuting, or he's an assistant uh, U.S. attorney. He says that the American public really has no idea how bad the epidemic of child sexual exploitation is. So that's why we're asking you to help. The action part that Kristen is talking about is that we are taking the fight to the predator. Now, how do we do that? Are we busting in doors? Are we, are we doing things illegally? No. We are, we've teamed up with some spectacular men that have military background, that are, that are experts in counter intelli or intelligence and in counterterrorism, uh, and they, we gather critical intelligence on predators and people that buy and sell children, and then we work right alongside with law enforcement to give them that information. And we also have a really great online team that goes after child molesters that are going for children in the chat rooms and, and uh, in, those, in, in that realm. Uh, right now, currently, because we're not a startup, we've been going for a couple of years now, so that's why we're, we love coming back here so you guys can get updates on what we're doing. Right now, we have 30 cases under investigation, and th these are the worst of the worst types of individuals. So, um, so that's what you really want me to say was just the, the update. But I, I want to leave you with this quote, and this, is, this quote hit me right between the right in the heart when I read it. It's Martin Luther King, which is a, a, I'm, I'm a he's one of my heroes, but it says, never, never be afraid to do what's right, especially when there's the well-being of a person is at stake. In this case, it's a child. Society's punishments are small compared to the wounds we inflict on our soul when we look the other way. You've been equipped with information, so we want you to help us, use us as a tool to go after child predators and make our children and our community safe. Okay, so what can you do? If you would join us next Saturday at the Riverwalk in Jinx, we're going to have our fourth annual Stop Child Trafficking Now walk and our first 5K certified run. So we want you to come out. You know, uh, being a part of a movement, like Pastor Brent was saying, is not standing still or sitting in your seat and being fat on the word. It's a movement is moving and it's getting involved and it's getting becoming a community and a voice for these children. If you want, don't let emotion just stop here. Let's put emotion into action and come out with us, be a voice, walk for these children, be a sanctuary team, be a sorority team, be a junior high team, come out, find out how you can get involved with us throughout the year, not just one time, but come out with us and let's go and tell these predators that Oklahoma is going to be different. We're not going to be a statistic anymore. We're going to be an army. So we're asking you to come out, come out to the table and sign up or go online and sign up and let's do this thing. Yes. Thank you.
Let's all stand together. God is at work in the world. He is taking broken things, putting them back together. He's bringing light to dark places in our world. Uh, let's join together. Um, well, first of all, if you need prayer for anything right after services, we dismiss. Um, we'd like to invite you. Our prayer team will be right here at the cross. Also, just a reminder, I would love to talk with you about small groups. If there's a, an idea that's stirring in your mind about one of these six-week small groups, I'd love to talk with you. I'm going to stand right here. would love to meet with you and give you some information on that. Let's join together. Let's lift our voices. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And as always, as we go today, we want to remind you of God's blessing for your life. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you safe in his arms. May he make his beautiful face shine on you. May he be gracious to you. May we be a community that is guided by and formed by his grace. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you peace, a peace that passes all of your understanding. May it guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Go in peace today.